Bhakti. Amrita. So what's so great about a doll named Barbie, Bhakti? Well, Barbie is fair and lovely and it rhymes with Bhabi. <laughs> that, that's my bad joke of the day, Amrita. Oh, goodness. <laughs> But also, what's not to like, right? She, as you mentioned, she's the fairest of the fair, fair and lovely, quote-unquote. The ideal of all girls has blue eyes, mm-hmm. blonde hair to boot. And you think, think that's the reason why, generally, it is such a big hit uh, in India, mm-hmm. that we like Barbie so much? I know. Do we like Barbie so much? I guess that's the first question. But, of course, I mean, you know... I don't think I've I played with a dark doll growing up. You know what I mean? That's a really interesting question. And I've been thinking, when did I actually have a dark black or brown doll? And I think not ever till my mm-hmm. 20s um, had I seen one. And no, I, I wasn't playing with dolls in my 20s, just to say. Uh, yeah. But the representation is so skewed. And, you mm-hmm. know, we don't see any other alternative out there. Right. Uh, Right. Did you play with Barbies, Bhakti? I am ashamed to say, yes, I did. <laughs> I love dolls, I will say. And I will tell you, you know, I had all kinds of dolls. I had like those dolls that are, you know, like technically their age is maybe nine or 10 year old. You know, they're cuddly. But those were foreign. You know, they were from the Middle East. Somebody had been uh, gifted actually by friends. And then even my dad got me one when he was there. And so, yes, so I had that age dolls. But then I have to say that the Indian dolls were more kind of cultural icons. You know, those Katputlis, you know, those Rajasthani Gudiyas. Like you can't play with them or you felt like, I don't know. There wasn't a play energy around it. And I think I got Barbie when it's seen as late to have a Barbie. So like fourth grade or something like that or fifth grade. And but I loved I loved this doll. And I had the one. It was a very expensive doll. And there was just this one boutique where I lived that sold like the accessories, you know, some of the day to night clothes and stuff like that. But what the doll interested me is what I didn't realize, like I did like sewing and stuff like that. So I know these are all very anti-feminist type of uh, things, but I do, I do like them. Like, you know, I like, you know, whatever. I like to cook and do interior decoration also. So it is, it is what it is. So I think I I was interested in making clothes for her. And this is where the other issue comes in, which is Barbie's boobs, you know, because you're... (laughs) Because you're nine or ten and, you know, it's a little bit weird. It's intense. But hey, welcome to our viewers here. We are talking about Barbies today and in particular, Barbie the film. Yeah, exactly. for those who have not seen the film, um, we are not giving out everything, but this is a film about the toy, the Mattel toy, the doll Barbie. Mm-hmm. And it takes us into this alternate universe where all the Barbies, all different kinds of Barbies are living in Barbie land. And it is this space where patriarchy has not reached. In fact, mm-hmm. the men are on the sidelines. It's a reverse universe, if you will. And we have this stereotypical Barbie, as she is called, who somehow has some kind of existential angst and lands up in the real world and mm-hmm. gets of patriarchy. 
So it's it's touted to be this film that is viewing out feminism and is woke about gender disparities in our present times. Yeah. But you know, Bhakti, you were talking about playing with dolls and having a Barbie. And I was thinking, I do had a Barbie, but you know, it was a strange anxiety-ridden kind of doll play. That's the boobs. It, I don't know. It was, you know, I don't know if I can psychoanalyze myself so easily <laughs> at all. But I'm thinking this this thing was so distant from everything I was or my world was. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of alienated me um, from from this kind of relation or, you know, having that. You mentioned, you know, the Indian Kutpudlis and the dolls that mm-hmm. had a more of a cultural meaning. Yeah. But it's impossible to deal with this kind of ideal of beauty and everything else that Barbie yeah. offered. A case in point, you know, the Indian Barbie that came out as a kind of a reaction in 1996 in India, the Desi mm-hmm. Barbie, it failed. And, you know, yeah. and I was thinking, why does an Indian brown Barbie not gain that kind of traction within India? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah um, I think all of us have played with Barbies. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that ours is potentially the last generation uh, to even maybe play with Barbie. I don't know. You know, I don't know if kids play with Barbie. You don't think so? I think they're, you know, have their women after the the next generation or so. I think in the U.S. at least, you know. Our age women in their 40s or whatever are the last generation in the U.S. to play with Barbie. And that's why there is the hype that this there was almost like um, excitement around the vintage aspect, like this doll that's almost been forgotten. You know, there's been some TV shows and cartoons and stuff, but it's it's a forgotten doll. And that Greta Gerwig, the director of Barbie the movie, suddenly brings her back into our life. And I think, you know, the phenomena that was very strange, of course, was people, was, well, women, men too, dressing up in pink and glitter and having these Barbie movie parties and things like that. And I think there, yes, it's the hype. Yes, it's like super intense, very successful form of marketing and branding that's been analyzed now a lot. But it's also a nostalgia for something of your childhood because if you see who the women are that are going for these parties you know I don't think it's like 16 17 year olds or like 20 22 year olds this is like zero data zero evidence this is just me (laughs) observing what I feel was going on right and yeah no you're right I mean that kind of observation I felt um I was struck by that you know the experience Mm -hmm. of watching the film in the theater in the United States. And it was this whole women in pink and glitters, clapping and cheering. It was another level of discourse making in the cultural experience, mm-hmm. right? And it made me wonder about what kind of subversion or feminism or ex- expectations of certain kinds of feminisms are there in the film that are yeah. seen in right now. Yeah. And- what are we to make about this kind of feminism that is offered in the film, right? Yeah, That's- and 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 I think we should uh, uh, we should make sure our listeners know that we're being joined by writer and journalist Bina Shah from Karachi, Pakistan, and she wrote a brilliant article called "Barbie in Pakistan" for the Dawn newspaper, and she talks a little bit about the feminism and the sort of dissonance between 
what are some of the issues prevalent, say, in Pakistan? And we can apply them quite easily to India as well, you know, education, poverty, you know, the, the sort of baseline that's very different <clears throat> rather than, you know, the, the, the world that the movie uh, generates, you know. Right. But I think like, you know, when I, when I think about the time that Barbie came in, I mean, I have tried to ask myself why I loved Barbie because I had Skipper also, actually, the sister. Yeah. And yeah. Skipper is much more of a girl girl body, not a woman body. And Skipper is immediately less interesting, which is, mm-hmm. which is weird. And I think part of the reason um, is, of course, the, you know, beauty discourse and that, you know, we, we are so, like, colonized in our thinking of what is, like, the aesthetic, right? It, it right. has now taken us PhDs and all to like figure out like that it's a problem. <laughs> but um, but I think it's also kind of wove in at the same time when beauty pageants and stuff were very popular, you know, mm-hmm. like the swimsuit round and like, right. you know, uh, women winning like Miss World and all this kind of stuff, like Indians doing well at beauty pageants and winning these big titles. So this idea of the long-legged, very glamorous, very sexy doll, you know, had some had some currency. And right. I think you're saying like Indian Barbie failed. Right. And uh, and Indian Barbie, you used a word, you said like it was a reaction. I don't think it was a reaction. It was the extension. It it's was like, re- yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you know, seems like the blonde one, you know, is doing okay. We can expand the market. What if she wears a sari or a sabatamisa? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or a gungat? Oh, goodness. I, I hope, I guess there is a... Uh, Dulhan Barbie too, if we, yeah, we of did course. for it. But mm. you know, I was thinking why it's kind of felt like a reaction is because you know people were suddenly thinking about is there an alternative to this blonde and blue-eyed Barbie? And hey, let's make this brown Daisy Barbie. And of course, it didn't go well. I and I think one of the things is it is this Western aspiration and you know having that thing that is so desirable and talking about skin fetish or colorism or what have you. But, you know, do you remember, I think it was in late 80s or 90s, early 90s, we had that whole song, um, Barbie, no. Aqua. Um, oh, yeah, the Swedish the uh, pop group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I'm, I, you know, after watching the film, all I could think of is I'm not a Barbie in Barbie land. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> and it's this kind of what you were mentioning, that there is a certain kind of invisibility that Barbie produces yeah. um, in this kind of body type. Absolutely. A certain kind of class factor also we need to speak about. Absolutely. I mean, you know, who can afford a Barbie? It, it's yeah. pretty expensive when it came out. And I remember my aunt who used to live in the uh, U.S. presented mm-hmm. me with a doll. And it was, as I said, this I didn't know what to do with it. It was so alienating from everything that was my world. And yet yeah. I was mesmerized by it. As you said, like, you know, you like yeah. Barbie. I had the skipper and the Ken. Uh, my mom even went to that extent because you remember the Barbie came with townhouses after a while and they were super yeah. expensive. And I so know. she made me and my sister this doll's house. And, you know, after a while it was just sitting there. So, you know, I'm also thinking about the status symbol in, yeah. in India that, you know, who plays with a Barbie? Exactly. And then the Barbie world itself is also expensive. 
because it's right. all about the modern gadgets and like the amazing glamorous wardrobe right mm. at the end of the day so yeah so the class politics of it is just absolutely uh, you know it's it's preposterous it's just i understand it's a fantasy but why does the the fantasy has to it's, there's never an intellectual element to the fantasy it's like oh if you're going to be president barbie just dress like a president if you're going to be dr barbie just dress like a doctor it's like there isn't a, a, another level to it and i think i think this is my critique also of greta gerwig generally as a filmmaker you know her previous film was uh, lady bird and little women and i think mm-hmm. just to kind of you know be a bit uh, you know teacherish here she espouses to a very particular 60 70s feminism you know where women are seeking to have careers seeking to have independence which is like the first wave and it's a very middle class white feminism actually that you learn about if you go to schools if you go to university in the US or something like that but feminism moved on from there you know it meant to included something else it included other races other concerns questions of class and her films uh, traditionally have not done that i know she's like oh great feminist woman filmmaker but she isn't and i don't know if you agree like and i'm going to ask bina this too it's like don't you think ken had a better story arc than barbie i mean ken was like having a whole switch in in character like he had a journey and i don't know what was barbie's journey ken went through so much i mean that's interesting and also i felt reductive in the representation of maleness that you know given the chance we would yeah. fall back into patriarchy 101 so but i was also thinking that i would have bought the film coming back to the film's politics or representation i would have liked it if the story was told from the point of view of weird barbie mm-hmm. and also the naming itself right it's so problematic why not non stereotypical or atypical barbie why is it she called a weird barbie of course we know why it's the construct yeah but this kind of barbie land feminism is just kind of this kind of diluted popcorn version of feminism yeah, right absolutely and can i say the word feminism does not appear even once in the film the word patriarchy on the other hand a million times but how do you resist the patriarchy not through anything feminist you kind of get together you seduce your guys you sort of hypnotize them and then you take the power back <laughs> right that's like that's what they do at the end of it all and i agree weird barbie uh, they're trying to own all these concepts that we are we're trying not to say people are weird we're right. trying not to say you know pink is cool so now they are kind of bringing back all these ways of saying or doing problematic things or problematic color coding and stuff like that so it's really it's really messed up and i really uh, it's really upsetting but why do you think indians are were so into it i saw like a million instagram posts there were so many fabulous like reviews celebrating the film know. you know and I those mean, pink parties loaded exactly those parties and people were watching films and taking those uh, shots in that barbie mattel Good. frame talk about literally commodity fetishizing your own self you know marketing mattel the toys one thing and yeah. uh, on the other hand right now we are posing in that frame in yeah. kind of a plastic world it just yeah. kind of falls apart with the film's message and yet on the other hand in the real world we are perpetuating the same kind of politics that one is Absolutely. resisting 
So Absolutely. it's very confusing in the end what the film is doing. It didn't make any sense to me. And I don't <laughs> know the answer uh, to the question you're asking why Barbie so popular. Uh, you know, I, you've said about 60s or the first waves of feminisms, but it doesn't cover a lot of the world. So what mm -hmm. happens to the feminisms or the post-colonial feminisms, if you will, that are completely unmarked or unspoken about? Absolutely. Totally invisible. That's the word you you right. used, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I'm just going to say one thing because Bina is about to show up. But, you know, you know how it is. Like growing up in India, and I was very much like that. And it's it's a very weird thing. But like you, if you're growing up in like English medium schools, a certain kind of middle class, plus plus, being Western is like really, really important. You know, at least I don't know now. I don't know the current generations. But back then, I never would admit to watching like Bollywood films and stuff like that because it was so uncool. Yeah, you always, yeah, it was very uncool for a very long time. And then, of course, you move out of India and then suddenly you're like defending <laughs> all this like older cultural stuff. So it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a weird thing. It's a weird journey that occurs. But there's also a desire to constantly align with like Western phenomena, you know? Right. I think that's true. I think that the Western phenomena, it's the color, it's the blonde mm -hmm. beauty, it's the status symbol. There's a mm -hmm. lot of different factors that kind of intertwine to produce this kind of fetish that is desirable to play Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So I am seeing Bina in the studio. Uh, let's uh, welcome her. We're going to ask her if this is this has come, you know, this is the same thing in Pakistan or are we, uh, <laughs> are we uh, in the unique over here? Hi, Veena. Welcome to an episode of Extra Salty. Hello, and thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. Hey, Veena. Hello there. How are you? Good. So we believe that you're joining us from Karachi today. I, I sure am. I sure am. The one and only. The port city. <laughs> yeah. So we're That's very exciting. excited to have you in this episode. And we want to start by jumping in into that fantastic article you wrote. Thank what you so much. Made, what made you write Barbie in Pakistan article for Dawn? Uh, well, I had been hearing so much about the Barbie movie, the Barbie movie, the Barbie movie. It's coming. It's coming. It's going to be directed by you know, so-and-so, it's going to be feminist, it's going to be amazing, it's going to be, you know, they hyped it up to yeah. high heaven. And I said, well, I am going to have to reluctantly watch this movie because it's... it's <laughs> like both of us. It's feminist, right? So I, I wanted to see what they'd actually done with it. And I kept hearing these rave reviews that it was so good, it was so funny, it was this, it was that. So TK, I bought a ticket. No, I didn't buy a ticket. Somebody gave me a ticket for free and I went along with them and I watched the movie. It was it had been sold out in Karachi for about two weeks. Wow. It got banned up in Punjab, up in Lahore. So they weren't able to see it there for a bit. So uh -huh. it was it was quite a quite a circus. Then I said, all right, it's also been banned and it's feminist. So now I definitely have to see it. Mm -hmm. That's what brought me there. Oh, gosh. Go ahead, Amrita. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to know if you had any criticism after that article, Bina. No, I didn't. I uh, And admittedly, I think because Twitter has become X and things have changed so yeah. much on that platform, 
had it been the way that it used to be, I would have probably heard a lot more. I would have gotten a lot more feedback for that article ever since, you know, it's X now, my reach is gone, my, my blue tick is gone. So I'm not really that important anymore. Right. And yeah, of course. But also I am, it's, it's, it's interesting, we were just talking about the hype about its feminism. And I think unlike maybe you, Bina, I was fond of Barbie when I was a kid. Granted, I wasn't like sharp in cultural criticism as a child. I thought it's a cute doll. I liked clothes. (laughs) And um, I liked making clothes for her. But, you know, I just... So India's had a weird relationship, actually, with Barbie because they... Hmm. It's, of course, a very expensive doll. And at the end of the day, what happened is, you know there was a sort of floating notion that it's blonde and white and long-legged, like nobody has that kind of body or like that's not the body type, you know, that one is familiar with. So they made this dark-skinned uh, Salwar Kurta mm, sari yes. body in India, but that didn't do particularly well. Do you know if Pakistan had the same phenomena and like was what was the reception generally of the doll? I can assure you there was no Pakistani Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was no Barbie in a kurta, you know, dubatta, and there was no little explanation that here we are in Karat, we are in Pakistan, and we have camels, and we are like this, and we're like that. No, not a thing. Barbie was a toy for, I think, only children who had traveled abroad or whose relatives mm-hmm. were coming from abroad and would bring a Barbie for them. Like, oh, here's a here's a gift for the bacha and. So there was not a widespread uh, reach of Barbie. I recall a British competitor to Barbie called Cindy, Mm S-I-N-D-Y. But for the most part, really, Barbie was a doll of the West for the West. Right. Did we ever have dolls that were not from the West? That's what I'm trying to recall. And I can't seem to remember, like a native Indian doll. I don't know, Amrita, do you remember? I mean, we were talking about this before, Bhakti. I mean, I, it was very late that I actually saw some kind of a brown or a black doll in my consciousness. It was always these yeah. blue-eyed blonde dolls that, you know, were given yeah. to us. Yeah. I think the first... The first colored color, skin color, BIPOC doll that I ever saw was a Cabbage Patch Kid. I don't huh. know if you had those in yeah, India. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. No, we. I don't remember having those, but I know who what you're talking about. But I only know of them like from living in the U.S. later. You know. Yeah. So I guess at the end of the day, you know, the class politics of a doll like Barbie is intense, but then also it doesn't feel like the alternatives, say for like a middle class. South Asian, hmm. Uh, hmm. you know, girls. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of other alternatives, at least not to my memory. And if they were, I don't know of it, which is my my bad, you know. But uh, yeah, so rich people had her. And uh, I had them not because I was very rich, but because it was <laughs> somewhat affordable. At that point, it was very exotic. And, I had them too. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It and was pleasant for me from we the had, <laughs> We had some contacts in the US who brought us some things here and there. You know, let's kind of unpack the movie hmm. a tiny bit more. Amrita and I were saying the movie seems so much more about Ken 
you know like this movie has brought this doll back into our lives like this forgotten doll because i've been living in the us and the the doll that people like there is actually american girl which is even more yes. expensive which is even yes. more and i don't know about the uk or europe what they're playing with but barbie is it, suddenly back and is american girl customizable yes i never played with american girl she was after my childhood after my time she's very politically correct yes you can uh-huh. have her sporty you can have her you know whatever race and all just tell us a little bit more even if it means regurgitating your article <laughs> i'm sure all our readers or every you know listeners haven't read uh, all all of them yeah. have probably read it so what did you think of the movie did you think the movie was about barbie or about ken <laughs> well i was i was i will just put it out there i was disappointed the movie yeah. didn't live up to the hype that it was feminist and it was amazing and it was this and it was that i mean i was watching it and i kind of was like first of all the first you know 20 minutes the montage of barbie land all the pink it started to give me like ptsd from my childhood because <laughs> i di- i was not a barbie fan i didn't like barbies they made me feel very suffocated i i just I never bought into that world as a child. Mm-hmm. So seeing it really on that huge screen, it really just brought all the memories back to me of a of a childhood that, you know, was not the typical little American girl playing with her little Barbie. So mm-hmm. and whenever I see something that is so catered or it's so directly addressed to the american audience then i naturally as a pakistani i'm automatically on guard against it a little bit i'm kind of like well i'm immediately not watching this as an insider i'm watching this as an outsider so that skews my perspective a little bit i watched the whole thing the story didn't make any sense to me uh <laughs> the whole thing of uh, the feminist messaging that barbie girls should be able to do what they want but there's this thing out there called the patriarchy and it's really nasty and that's what stops us and oh no ken has brought the patriarchy now back to barbie land and now how does barbie fix it by what was the solution what was the solution to patriarchy in barbie land just Sedu- to- seduction yeah. seduction and lies <laughs> That's how they got it back. Oh, they they played dumb. The girls played this is dumb. An oxymoron in some way, you know. How how can Barbie with all the kinds of trappings it has be a feminist icon, right? But, you know, talk to us about this kind of furor everywhere then that Barbie is now our next symbol. That is Barbie is our next president. Barbie's going to be the next <laughs> president of the United States. Yeah. I mean that's the dream, isn't it? And Ken yeah. will be the first Ken will be the first Ken. <laughs> yeah. But it did so why did it get banned by the way in Punjab? Was it just sort of knee jerk? <laughs> They never said. They just said it had objectionable content and nobody yeah. could figure Which it out did. because it, Yes. Well, I suspected that it because they heard it was feminist so they got scared and they're like no we're not having any feminism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but do you think it has any liberatory potential for you know yes i know she is very american at the end of the day it's a very 70s american idea of feminism is there anything we can 
I don't know. And also, you know, because we were talking earlier, this seems to be really hitting a certain kind of pulse with even younger girls now that, you mm. know, Barbie's aspirational. She can be anything that she wants to be. And people are really liking that. What's gone wrong well, here? Okay, so uh, if there's anything to Barbie the movie, it would be sort of like a feminism 101 for very young girls, mm -hmm. very young children. The fact that it's, you know, sort of, again, this, we, we keep hitting up against this paradox, the paradox that Barbie was always seen as something restricting that girls played with Barbies and Barbie. Did you ever see boys having Barbies? They were never excited to buy Barbies. It was Barbies for girls, GI Joe for boys. If you're going to get really sort of yeah. very typically American about it. So yeah. automatically Barbie itself represents a binary. Right. Then the makers of Barbie Mattel in the 1970s, you know, because of the feminist movement that was spreading, they started adapting to that. They started making different kinds of Barbies and astronaut Barbie and, you know, business Barbie and this, and that. the Muslim world reacted to Barbie by creating hijabi. There are dolls, there are dolls that you can get that are, that are modestly dressed. Yeah. Darker skinned covered, so on and so forth. And that's supposed to be the antidote to the Western influence of Barbie. Yeah. Because Barbie was racy, let's face it. I mean, you could take all her clothes off. You could, yeah. you could take Ken's clothes off. You could have them hanging out in the pool doing God knows what. There was a <laughs> yeah. camper van. So, you yeah. know, Bar Barbie was Barbie was a little seductive, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What she went was wrong, I think? She, she's not a woman. She's a very unrealistic caricature of what Mattel thought a woman looked like and what Mattel thought girls wanted to look like or be. Yeah. And the minute you start saying, this is what you should look like. This is what you want to look like. Mm -hmm. This is what you want to be. You've got a problem because yeah. why are, why are toy makers and capitalists and corporations deciding on what little girls dreams should be? Right. Right. I think there's just such an abject there's such an abject sort of sense of like access to education in a place like India, you know, for young girls and, uh, you know, this idea of dare to dream. I'm sorry, I've just decided to play devil's advocate uh -huh. uh, here. Uh, you know, this kind of, there's this kind You're of- woman, You have to be the devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dare to dream energy of of barbie is is what i believe the movie is selling us right and i have to say i was so charmed when malala tweeted you know uh what did she say she said uh, i i'm i have the nobel and he's just ken or something anyway there was something adorable because yeah. <laughs> they she referenced was, that in the movie there was a picture with her husband that gone to see the movie yeah and she said this barbie has a nobel prize he's just ken <laughs> yeah yeah I, well, that was getting in the spirit of it I thought that it was funny it was yeah. cute 
I was not tempted to wear pink and go to the show. I wore black to signify my objection to this whole, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I didn't dress up in pink. I didn't have a daughter to take with me. Maybe if I had a daughter with me, I would have gotten mm -hmm. more. But, but women, young women, girls were getting really into it, wearing pink, coming even in Karachi, they were coming to the theater. There was a premiere, there were people sort of posing with the, the Barbie, you know, the, the thing in the background. Right. Yeah. Very excited that they were there. Everybody wanted to feel part of this global movement. And I think that's what's exciting about the fact that I can see the same movie in Pakistan that you can see in Paris sure. and you can see in the United States. It's yeah. a global thing. And that brought people to, sorry, that brought people together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that sort of added to that whole hype and hysteria. But, you know, I'm thinking also of this hysteria in a way, ultimately, you know, where in a, everywhere globally, there seems to be this kind of wokeness that, you know, girls are not playing with dolls anymore. Are we then looking back at the dolls coming back, more stereotypical Barbies? You mentioned the toy makers and, you know, are we going to buy more Barbies now for the girls? Is that what's going to happen? No. And let me tell you what I think should actually happen in, in a feminist world and in, in, in my ideal world. The day that I was going to go see Barbie, I was coming back from somewhere else. And next to my car, there was a Hilux, a Toyota Hilux, the, the epitome of the masculine vehicle, especially okay. in Pakistan. That's like a guy's <laughs> car, the Hilux. And there were two men sitting in the front. In the back was a little baby boy. He must have been about four, five years old. Mm -hmm. In his hand, he had a little baby doll, a guria, basically. And it was a, the typical blonde, blue-eyed baby doll with the eyelashes, that the eyes that would up and down, blink up and down. And he was waving that baby out the window and he was having a great time. And somebody in the front seat, the man was like, you know, and I assumed he was like saying, don't do that, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is the world I want where a boy should feel like he can hold a baby doll if he mm -hmm. wants to. Yeah. That to me is the message that I want yeah. to see rather than everybody should have a Barbie or Barbie means something to everybody. I want yeah. to see a world where a little boy can play with a doll, a little girl can play with a doll. And that was the message in the 70s. The feminist movement yeah. wanted to see that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in fact, Barbie, I like that message, of course, you know, because, uh, you know, the toy world is like, it's just gender apartheid, you know, it's just absolutely awful to this day. I have two kids, a boy and a girl. And, uh, you know, it's like, uh, they, it, they cannot, it's like impossible to shop for clothes or for toys without that drama playing out everywhere. Um, uh, you've seen, you've seen the, the children's clothing, the boys shirts have dinosaurs, or space or mechanics and, yeah. and the girls say I'm cute yeah. sparkly you know yeah exactly and, and it's the, the same with the toys present, right the color yeah. we cannot get rid of still yeah now, enforcing as you said that entire world of pink now completely crushing on us yeah but I think like I think the what I want to say is that Barbie also is a reassuring segregation of the sexes 
It's like there's the world of Ken and there's the world of girls and like really we're not particularly connected. Like Ken is like, oh, you know, we should spend the night. And she's like, mm, what are we supposed to do? You know, they live in this reassuring world. You know, they don't really know what's up, right? They're so innocent that there's no mixing. And I think one of the comments my son, who's 13, made um, about the film um, stuck with me, which is that he didn't, even though everybody has praised the film for what they call campy masculinity, you know, like men mm. in pink and shorts mm -hmm. and styled up like very queer aesthetics. At the end of the day, the film didn't seem queer to him because he's like, whatever a teenager is, they're so woke. And the other thing issue he had was there was no fat Ken. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Like there was a, a, a bigger Barbie, but there wasn't a chunky Ken. So like the body types were modulated in the men's uh, in the men's world. But, you know, at the end of the day, even if you're saying that the film uh, does the dare to dream thing, philosophy of dare to dream, we all can be. Boys can play with dolls. Girls can win Nobels and be presidents or whatever. You know, the, it's such a segregated world that it's very far from some of the debates we're looking at now, like transgender stuff or, you Queer. know, uh, breaking the gender binary stuff. Anyway, just, I don't know where this thought is going. It was just, I just wondered. You know. Well, I just feel like the, the movie was touted as uh, having this very strong and clear feminist message. And in the end, I walked out of the theater not really sure what the message was mm -hmm. because it was about a lot of things. It wasn't just about men and women, the patriarchy versus Barbie land. It was also about Barbie's journey towards authenticity and self-discovery. The minute she sees that her feet are flat and she has cellulite, something is wrong and she has to fix those. I mean, you can see that, I, I think that this is, it, the whole premise was very difficult to make it match the feminist yeah. ethos. Yeah. I, and I could see a lot of like, you know, when you're trying to put on a sweater that doesn't really fit you and you're sort of fighting here and fighting there and your elbow is going to come out and your head's going to be like that. <laughs> that is how I felt about the movie. It just, it really was trying to take something very huge and very significant and shrink it down to a very tiny world. Mm -hmm. And you know, and you also talk about, you mentioned the cellulite scenes. I mean, this is supposedly a feminist moment with Barbie turning more vogue and offering us certain kinds of slices of feminism. But here we are, the weird Barbie, quote unquote, that kind of naming, fixing everything that needs to be aboard. The cellulite needs to go away from the world, the Barbie land, right? So what is the kind of messaging? Again, it's completely confusing. And I walked out, I also saw it with my uh, soon 17 year old and we just were very confused and you know mm -hmm. it's it's completely a double side you know just the, the film falls apart what I think it, the film ends up happening with the film is that it it portrays all the contradictions that are present in American womanhood today it's yes. very confusing to be an American woman and I think that is what the film was trying to portray and also what it unintendedly portrayed. I think it itself yeah. was confused and I think that matched the confusion that most American women feel these days about what they're supposed to be, who they are, do I lean in, do I lean out, do I work, do I wanna have it all, right? They're yeah. just, they're kind of now, we're in the 21st century and they're just kind of like, 
I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. And so yeah. this movie was meant to put them back on the path, but all it did was reflect that. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And also, you know, uh, this is something Amrita and I uh, touched upon a little bit when we were talking about what's so great about this doll called Barbie, right? What's the kind of doll we need? And it's like, what's the doll? If we are going to make a doll movie, what is, you compared a little bit of the reception of Joyland in your article yeah. to the Barbie movie and like, you know, both in having these kind of forms of censorship. It's just, you know, and then there's such a hunger, of course, for this kind of, for want of a better word, content. We want to be celebratory. We want to enjoy being women or, you know, engaging in a little bit of light progressive thinking. What's the doll, say Pakistan, needs right now or what's the doll movie they need right now you know i think we in india we have to give up what do we need a doll movie <laughs> sure i clearly there's a need for a doll movie but also there's in no india we have doll no... movies i know <laughs> come on this, these like, movies i love are a doll lover but these movies are meant to sell product right yeah. that's that's the whole point the whole yeah. point was how do we revive Barbie so that girls start buying her again? Let's That's make an incredibly cool movie with an incredibly woke director and let's put all sorts of woke things into it. And that will convince the mothers of today, the, the Gen X women and the, now the young millennial mothers to go out and buy Barbies for their children. We'll hit their nostalgia. We'll hit what they felt as children playing with Barbies. We'll sprinkle in a little bit about the patriarchy here and we'll be in on the joke there. And in the end, what does it boil down to? Barbie proves that she's real because she wants to see her gynecologist. Suddenly she's developed genitals that need uh, a pelvic yeah. exam. <laughs> what? Oh, she's, oh God, I know, I know. What? I know. I know. And, and yeah. I mean, that's, that's furthest away from, again, queering, queering the, the whole binary. Yes if we're reducing it again, if we're reducing the authenticity of women down to their biology. sexual se biology, right. And I think that was an unintended thing that got out there. Yeah, well, you both are anti-doll and I don't like it at all. <laughs> um, no, so I love, I'll tell you what doll I loved when I was a little girl. I had yeah. uh, a set of dolls called Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy. Very American because my first five years I grew up in the United States. Mm -hmm. So I had Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy. And these were two little dolls that were actually, that were like the dolls that were made by many people's grandmothers in the say 1800s, 1900s. They were made out of the rags, the leftover yes. rags in the sewing basket. And they yeah. were these lovable, and, and there was not a lot of difference between Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy. They looked the same except that Raggedy Ann wore a dress and Raggedy Andy had pads. And there was yeah. a Raggedy Ann and Andy movie, which I loved. I was mm -hmm. much younger though. I was maybe four or five. And I, that was my See? age for dolls. Now we're getting to like a good psychoanalytic session here, Bina. We're finding <laughs> out what you really did. What I really liked. I had another <laughs> doll. This is a very funny doll. I wish I could show it to you. It's locked up in a box there. Um, I don't want to get up and ruin the podcast, but it, it was a doll that you could pull its head on a, and it would come apart from the body. Mm -hmm. And then it, it would wind right back in and say something crazy. Like it would say, 
I'm falling apart. Woo-hoo. <laughs> that was my absolute favorite doll. And it was yeah. like me. It was weird. It was wacky. It was just a little bit stressed out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I also am not anti-dolls per se. I think there are lovely collections of older dolls, as you're mentioning. And they're, you know, it, in India, we have these dolls from all different kinds of states mm-hmm. characterizing a certain kind of essence from that place. And those are lovely. I think, you know, I you know, my mom is a doll collector, so she would be oh. horrified to know I'm anti-dolls. But, but, you know, there's this kind of projection that we're talking about through the Barbies and through the mm-hmm. certain kinds of completely alienating aspect of certain dogs, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I mean, my dad, when I was a kid, worked in Kuwait for a while, and he, uh, I had a talking doll. So she was like, you know, I think she was technically Western or light, but, you know, Arabs, South Asians, all fixated on fair skin anyways. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I love that doll, partially because it was a gift, partially because it, you know, in retrospect, I think it was a creepy doll because it said weird things like good night or good morning or whatever creepy voice, you know. That's really but, creepy. I yes. know, I know. But uh, I think, you know, the movie alienated me right at the beginning because they started by saying that uh, dolls made mothers out of women and then Barbie was this aspirational, uh, fully grown woman who could be anything you want to be but that's just not true i had dolls that, that, that were whole like intro, baby that whole intro was very tongue-in-cheek i didn't i didn't take it seriously i thought it was written yeah. very tongue-in-cheek the one yeah. that helen Mirren is narrated yeah that yes. was supposed to be that's supposed yeah. to be very very tongue-in-cheek yeah not to be taken literally sure 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 yeah and it just made no sense because... the dolls out in the sky does that happen in the film in the intro part they're tossing no, what's the that the babies the babies. ones that turn you into mothers because motherhood is sort of not yeah. quite, uh, motherhood is like a tired thing in the yeah. film, like with America Ferrara. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, mother, you know, she's a mother, she's a parent. So life is just awful um, and so on. But Bina, we're coming towards the end of our time. So maybe mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about your book. And oh, I know it's a feminist book. I'm yet to read it. But, uh, you know, tell us a little like about this book and your uh, your feminism, you know, your version. I know it's a dystopic narrative. Well, how much time do we have? Because (laughs) (laughs) so in 2018, I wrote a book called Before She Sleeps, and that was a feminist dystopia. And it came out at the same time as a whole slew of feminist dystopias. And it was a very exciting moment because suddenly you know, this, uh, this genre of, of science fiction plus feminist literature collided. And then we had s- several excellent books and The Handmaid's Tale, the TV show was happening at the mm. same time on Hulu. So uh, the current book, the one that you're talking about is its sequel and it's called The Monsoon War. And it's just been published uh, a few months ago. It is a standalone novel you don't have to have read before she sleeps to get what's going on in the monsoon war, mm. but it helps if you do. And whereas before she sleeps was a very noir, very underground, subverted kind of uh, feminist resistance, the monsoon war is over war. It's women going to war, women fighting for the thing that they believe in. And it's set 70 years in the future. It's set in a Middle Eastern country that I call Mazun. I've changed names of everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
the premise is that there's been nuclear war, so it's a post-apocalyptic time. Things are very different. Religion has been superseded by science and technology. And uh, in this book, The Monsoon War, there's a women's army. There's a, a group of women that are resistance fighters to an authoritarian patriarchal government. So that is mm -hmm. the premise of the story. And yeah. it, it was exciting to write. I'm really glad that it's out there. I really hope mm -hmm. that people find it and read it and enjoy it. Sure. Congratulations. Sounds like Thank a terrific you. book. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. I should have had a copy of it here like they do when people are on TV <laughs> behind me. should have had the old shelf filled yeah. with the books. But. Well, we can include the link at least. And is it that out already great. in, in yes. Yeah. It's out. No, it's not out in Pakistan. It's out in North America. In North okay. America. Yeah. Unfortunately, the way rights and territories work, you have to sell to each individual territory. Right. for there to be an addition in that country. Okay. But well, soon, I hope, I hope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Definitely in India too. Forward to it. Well, Before She Sleeps was published in India and uh, by mm. Pan Macmillan. So mm. I am very hopeful that there will also be an Indian edition too. The very sad thing is that because of the political situation, there are no book imports now between Pakistan and India. I can't, we can't import books from India and mm -hmm. you can't import books from Pakistan. Yeah, so I mean, that's a it's, whole different episode that we must talk about, I think. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's painful. Yeah. Yeah. It will be very sad. Yeah. <laughs> because there was a point at which, for Pakistani writers, India and the Indian publishing industry was was sort of like the, the step, the thing that we thought we could achieve when being published in the West and being published elsewhere it seemed really impossible. Here next door to us was a country where the people have so many similarities and and there's a huge Anglophone market. Mm, and yeah. it, it just, for Pakistani Anglophone writers writing in English, we thought we had real hopes for this. And this has now just been really dashed because of the situation. Right. And it gets oh. worse every single day. That's the tragic part. Yeah. But yeah. But Bina, thank you so much for this terrific conversation. <laughs> yes, my pleasure. I've enjoyed it very much. On the Barbie land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Bina. My pleasure. Good luck. We'll be back on The Wire next week with another question, another exciting guest, and more conversation.